Hi, I'm Marcy Lundy. Today is Sunday, February 12th, 2023. And this is the Cult of Kindness podcast. I am really excited to have a very special guest here this week. Please welcome Tracy Farron. Welcome, Tracy. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Of course. Well, uh, your story, it's very interesting and uh, it's heartbreaking, but it's a story of triumph and it's so beautiful. I love that you landed on your feet. Uh, If you could just share your story with the Cult of Kindness audience. Absolutely. So when I was 18, I was married and we had a baby and then um, we were expecting our second. And in my second trimester, I had found out that I also had cancer Mm -hmm. and I was young. I didn't fully understand what that meant, the impact of that. I had had an uncle about 10 years before that had passed away. So I knew that you did something called chemo. It made you go bald, but I didn't really understand what it was. So thankfully, you know, I'm in Houston. So MD Anderson is my, my backyard and, you know, that I had osteosarcoma. So having osteosarcoma, it's already a rare cancer, but then you throw being pregnant on top of that. And it was just like, you know, so the being pregnant was in some way a blessing in disguise because of the complexity of my case. I got the world's best doctor in that cancer Wonderful. who just happened to be at MD Anderson. So, um, you know, going through all of that and this, now this was 20 years ago. So I, I want to make that clear 20 years ago. And I'm sure you know how fast things evolve and technology and medicine and things change and research comes out and says, no, smoking's bad. Don't do that anymore. Like, (laughs) wait a minute, but you just said it was okay. We're smoking everywhere. So things change. And, um, you know, that, that long ago, they didn't have a lot of research with women who were pregnant, who did chemo where there was a good outcome for the baby. And my doctor had told me that. And, um, my doctor says, you know, I really advise that you terminate your pregnancy. Mm. And, you know, I don't think anyone gets to tell another woman what's right or wrong. There's so many situations and especially when someone's life is put at risk, but you know, that's, that's an individual, right. Decision, I I believe. And I understood where he was coming from and it made sense, but there was just something in me that was like, "Mm, I just, I don't think that that's needed in my case, you know? Right. And so, you know, the young, wise, smart 18 year old that I was, I said, (laughs) look, I got it figured out. Let me tell you how this is going to go. And I'm like, so I'm just going to go to term, like I'm in my second trimester, right? So I still have a little ways to go. I'm just going to carry this baby till term. I'm going to deliver her. Then you and I will hook back up and we'll deal with this cancer thing. That is how little I knew, right? (laughs) And he's like, huh, well, that's a difference of life and death for you. And I'm like, huh, well, that that changes it a little bit. So here I am, a young mom, and I'm having to figure out, I already have a baby that needs me, right? Right. How can I make this work to where my, my daughter Ellie has a mom? my unborn baby survives. I survive. So it's not just one life that I'm having to think about. I had to think about three lives. How could, how could we make this work? But again, like to my core and my gut said, you don't need to terminate. Like you'll be okay. The baby will be okay. 
And I told my doctors that they were probably so irritated. And I'm like, I hear you. I understand you. I see, I know what you're saying, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it. There has to be another way. Um, right. and it made them go back to the drawing board, right? Like she's refusing to, do, to listen to us. Mm -hmm. What, what can we do? And after him, after he consulted with some OBGYNs that do high risk, cause I was high risk now, um, yeah. they said, look, like we have research that shows when a baby's in their third trimester, their, the mom is in her third trimester, the, the babies are pretty much developed. All the main things are developed. It's really just about getting bigger. Right. Okay. But a lot of the main stuff is pretty much developed. So what if she just waits till her third trimester and then she starts chemo with her baby, then wow. we take the baby as early as possible. So there's no complications of what's the, what's the chemo going to do to the baby, but what's being a preemie going to do. So, right. We're oh. trying to think of, of all of this, um, because there was no research, right. A lot of women back in the day were early enough you know, maybe they're in their first trimester or whatever, but they termination was very common sure. that, that. And so I don't know that they really had anyone saying, well, that's not going to happen here. Right. So, you know, just after discussing it, I said, okay, that's a plan I can get behind. Right. And they're like, we were pretty sure your baby is going to survive, mm -hmm. but we can't, we don't know how she's going to come out. We don't know what the uh -huh. chemo will do to her. We, we just don't know anything, but we're pretty sure oh she's going to survive this. Yeah. And, but in my heart, and I think women and moms and like, you just know it's a gut feeling. And I, I just wish more women would listen to that gut feeling, that internal compass, that little voice that guides us, you know, sure. and yeah. it was just a gut feeling that like, everything will be fine. I'm not worried. Right. It'll all work out. Everything will be fine. So that was a plan. We'll, we'll wait. Thankfully that was only a few weeks away. It was literally, I think three weeks I was, then I was into my third trimester. I'm like, who knows how long I've already had the cancer. I think I can do three weeks, right? Was oh, it putting man. a little bit of risk on me? Sure. But it was a risk right. I was willing to take if it meant my baby had, you know, a chance and stuff. Sure. So, um, we, I was actually scheduled to be admitted into MD Anderson on 9-11-01. So this was years ago. And, right. you know, due to, due to the events that took place on 9-11, they're like, oh my gosh, I get a phone call. Don't come in. We can't take you. We don't know oh. what's going on. And oh I'm like, okay. And, you know, I wrote in my book, I'm like, you know, as our country is, is just glued to their TV screens and we're preparing mm -hmm. to go to war. Here I am, mm -hmm. this young woman, I'm preparing for the biggest battle of my life, mm -hmm. right? Just different. And because of my case and, and everything, they ended up saying, just come in tomorrow. And I ended up going 9-12 was my, I ended up being admitted first round of chemo. Everything's fine. I'm feeling like slightly under the weather. Mm. And I remember thinking, well, if this is chemo. I got this. This is right. nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. And I also remember thinking, why is everybody looking at me? Like I'm a, I'm an injured puppy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like something's wrong with me. Well, they right. knew a lot that I didn't know. Right. Sure, sure. And one thing a lot of people don't realize is the longer you do treatment, the harder it gets, the more complications there are, you know, chemo is poison. It doesn't just kill mm -hmm. the bad, but it kills the good as well. Right. Um, and so of course, like that first round, I'm, I'm a champion. I'm in the hospital for about a week because they hit me with the, the strongest, the hardest, or the most potent 
uh, chemo they can to write, try and get it under control and everything. Right. So I go home and, um, pretty sure it was that same day. My husband decides I can't do this. This just isn't oh. going to work. Oh my and God. I'm like, okay. And like, you know, it's been over 20 years, so I can talk about it now, but just because I can talk about it now, the way I talk about it yeah. back then, it doesn't negate or take away the pain that I felt in the moment. You know, there were tears. Mm. There might've been a couple cuss words. Don't remember <laughs> knowing, knowing my personality. There might have been, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's like, I don't have time for this, right? You're right. like, either a part of the team or you're not a part of the team because it really does take a team. We had it all figured out. My parents were going to work, you know, they were working to support us financially. We were moving back in with them. He was going to be my caregiver, take care of me and the baby. Like we had it figured out. Well, when you remove your main caregiver, like what do we do? And it changed everyone's world. And, but I, I just didn't have a whole lot of, a lot of time to think about Cause I'm like, I'm trying to save my life. I'm trying to save my unborn baby's life. I need to be a mom. You know, he leaves and um, somewhere along the line, I did d decide to file for divorce because I just remember that thought. And it's probably so cheesy and cliche, but you've probably heard it. But I just told myself, if you can't be with me at my worst, you sure as hell don't get me at my best. And, oh my gosh, yes. And so I filed for a divorce, you know? Not cheesy at all. <laughs> but that's, that was my mindset. Uh, that was my thought process. So now I'm going through a divorce. <laughs> As mm -hmm. I'm going through treatment. On top of everything else. <laughs> on top of everything else. Um, but, you know, I don't have time to really think about it. Back to back to chemo. I think mm -hmm. I did three rounds. I'm pretty sure I did three rounds of chemo before they took the baby. And those wow. last two rounds um, put me into preterm labor. Thankfully, I was in our medical center. So when I would go, I'm like, I think I'm in labor. Like, well, are you? I'm like, I don't know. It's only my second baby, I think. They would right. ship me across the street to a hospital. They, I'm pretty sure it was, I want to say it was magnesium. They pump you full of it because it stops the contractions, you know? Uh -huh. So it's kind of this like back and forth game, go back in. And now I go back into preterm labor, shit me across. We got to stop it because they just, they didn't want the baby coming yet. Yeah. Almost there, just not yet. Uh -huh. um, but then, you know, after a couple of rounds of chemo, we decided, okay, six weeks out from term, we, we can take her. They, they, you know, did the whole steroid shots because their biggest concern was, Will her lungs be fully developed? We weren't worried about anything else, just with her lungs. And so I got some shots to help, you know, the process of her lungs development. Right. And my doctor was like, look, Tracy, we don't know what to expect. I'm like, I don't know what to expect. If she comes out with like five eyeballs, and like <laughs> looking like an alien, like, I don't know what to expect, you know? And so there I am, like, I always tell people, there I was as bald as Mr. Clean. <laughs> so bald, smooth, smooth bald. And I'm like, right. thankfully I have a beautiful head. People yeah. told me that. And I'm like, well, if you're going to be bald, you better have a beautiful head. Yeah, I saw the pictures. Yes, you were beautiful at that time. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, and so I honestly, we all thought that I would deliver a bald baby, like for yeah. sure. Right No, I deliver a three pound, 10 ounce screaming baby girl with a head full of hair, even wow. like all the fuzzies all over her body. And we're all mm -hmm. like, first she's screaming. So we all are like, okay, she's good. Like lungs are good. <laughs> Cause that was our biggest concern. She yes. looks five toes or, you know, 10 toes, 10 fingers. She, she looks yeah. fine. Nothing's wrong with her body. Um, but she's not bald. Like we all mm -hmm. thought this baby should be bald. Exactly. Um, it would only make sense. And 
later on, my, my doctor did an article and he's like, well, it just kind of goes to show you that the placenta can filter, right? Oh. What the baby needs, what the baby doesn't need and, and, and stuff. Um, so she was in the NICU for a couple of weeks, not too long. There was nothing wrong with her. Just, they can't send babies home that are that little. <laughs> sure. And I think they waited till she was like five pounds. And even then one of her grandmas came over and almost sat on her. Cause she was just so tired. Like, oh Whoa. no. <laughs> don't sit, Cause she was on the couch. Like don't sit. I almost squished her. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Um, so she was still a little baby, you know, five pounds yeah. is still tiny. Um, mm. but she did great. I think I got about a week off from delivering a baby. And they're like, girl, we got to do chemo again. I'm like, okay. Wow. <laughs> I mean, imagine what your body goes through. I mean, it takes weeks for your body to recover from having a baby, but they're like, we don't have the time, right? Your oh. cancer is aggressive. We got to get right back to it. Um, so did, I think it was just one more round of chemo. Then I had my leg surgery. My leg surgery was, you know, 13, 15 hours long. They had to bring someone in to remove the bone. They had to bring a different doctor oh. in to reconstruct different, you know, nurses, everything. And I remember my mom saying that because I was in ICU after my surgery, she's like, I walked in, I thought you were dead. I'm like, well, why would you think that? She's like, you right. were just swollen. Your whole body was just oh, swollen and you were lifeless and, and everything. Um, like, well, I wasn't, I'm here. So even wow. going into that surgery, we weren't really sure. They're like, look, we think we're, we think we can save your leg. We're, we don't really know. There's like, we can't give you a guarantee. We can't tell you for sure how this is going to go because until we're actually in there, okay. we just don't know. And we don't know if you'll keep your knee, if you won't keep your knee, because my tumor was on my femur right above my knee. And if I didn't have enough healthy bone, they would have had to take my knee. And they're like, the thing with taking your knee at 18 is you're going to need multiple knee replacements. They don't hold up 20 years ago. I don't know about now, but 20 okay. years ago, they were like these knee replacements, just, they don't hold up. And you're so young. You'll be so active. You're going to wear down the knee. So I didn't know how I was going to wake up legless, kneeless. Oh my gosh. Who, who knows? You just got to get in. Right. Thankfully, they were able to save my leg. Um, I had enough clean bone that wasn't infected by the tumor above the knee that they, they, I kept my knee. So I have my knee. Um, they okay. just gave me donor bone and they took my own bone and put it, ran it through the donor bone because live bone on live bone fuses better and heals better. And right. I have a plate down my entire femur. Oh. Um, and then I have a scar that goes from my hip to my ankle on the outside. And then I have a oh scar on the God. inside of my thigh, you know, cause I mean, my great doctor, she's like, yeah, I'm like, I was like sawn on you. I'm like, oh I have to show the motion. I get it. <laughs> it was bone. You had to cut my bone out, but don't tell yeah. me how hard it was. And I even, when I woke up, you know, because they have to strap you down because they do have to saw your bone off. Oh, I, yeah. had, I had strap marks all over my body oh, because they gosh. had to really strap me down for this surgery. And I remember How long those was just, the surgery. The surgery was about 13 to 15 hours. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I mean, being strapped down, right. Can't, can't right. move and stuff. And those, those uh, marks, I remember they, they lasted days. <laughs> just like, wow. but you know what? Thank goodness. You're knocked out. You don't know anything. You don't feel anything. Mm -hmm. Um, so surgery goes well, I'm in the hospital and Christmas is approaching oh. and I'm just like, I want to, I want to make sure I'm home with my babies. I want to be home yeah. for Christmas. And I'm like bugging my doctors. Like, do you think I'll make it home for Christmas? And they're like, 
We don't know. We don't know. Because you know, when you have a surgery, there are just certain milestones. You have to be able to get out of bed. You have to be able to pee by yourself. They want you to poop. Like they just, they want to make sure your body is functioning right before sending you home. Like even the breathing test, just all kinds of stuff. Right. And every day Christmas is getting closer. And my, my newborn is already home because she's been released from the hospital. And I keep asking them and finally they're like, you know what? We just don't think it's going to happen. We really don't think you're going to make it home for Christmas. So I said, okay, you don't understand me. (laughs) I'm going to go home. You Mm -hmm. can either release me or I'm going to leave, but either way I will be going home for Christmas. So reluctantly, they did finally release me Christmas morning and I was able to go home and spend Christmas with my two girls. It was just really important to me. You know, sure. with having my, my, my daughter, um, I didn't get to see her very much in the NICU because I was at MD Anderson. I mean, she was just across the street, but mm-hmm. I was at MD Anderson, the chemo they had me on, they had to monitor all my, you know, my heart and my main organs because it can put you in, you know, it can have complications. So I wasn't able to leave. I, I had to be there. So I already didn't get to see her a lot in the hospital. I think I saw her a couple of times in a couple of weeks mm. and I just like, I just, I just, it was important to me to be there. And so it was nice, got to see, got to have her, you know, be there for their, her first Christmas. Um, and then, you know, here comes the new year and that's when things really kind of started to take a turn was, you know, each round of chemo, my body started taking longer to recover because you certain counts have to be back up so they can hit you again. They can't just keep hitting you when you're down. You have to recover somewhat. Right. And so the recovery time took longer, which then expand or, you know, pushed out my treatment because Mm -hmm. instead of recovering in two weeks, it took me three or four weeks. So now I'm doing chemo longer. And then I just start dealing with things like, um, certain chemos, you get mouse sores in your mouth and then then they run all down your throat and they're so painful that you don't want to eat or drink. Right. So, well, then what happens to our body when we're not eating and drinking? I was losing weight like crazy. And I was dehydrated. So my mom would have to take me back to Indy Anderson's uh, emergency room, which I didn't even know they had until I had to go there. Right. And they'd have to pump me full of fluids because like the pain was just too much. And even on pain meds, like it just, it didn't relieve it. Um, And so stuff like that, kidney issues, recovery issues. I think one of the, one of the scariest moments that I remember where I wasn't sure what was going to happen was um, I was overdosed on chemo meaning they oh, just didn't no. let my body recover enough before they hit me again. Wow. And so one morning I woke up and all my motor skills were completely gone. I oh my like, gosh. at first I really didn't know what was happening because chemo, right. I was already having complications. Right. It's, it's just taken me. I'm like a second to realize, and I'm sitting at the table and I just kind of motioned my mom. Like I need to, she could tell something was off with me too. Like I need to right. write something. And just super messy. I just wrote, I was able to write out motor skills. That's all I wrote. Probably wrote like a five-year-old, but she got it. She knew by the way I was acting and that motor skills and how I couldn't write that something was wrong. Back to MD Anderson's ER. And, um, and I'm thinking too, like, is this permanent? Is this, is this going to be me? How am I going to take care of two daughters? But in Mm. the, I can't, I can't function. I'm now going to have to be taking care of the rest of my life. Right. I have no idea how this is all going to play out. They bring in a neurologist just to, you know, is it the brain? Like trying to figure out what's going on. They start showing me those flashcards 
that you show your two-year-old, three-year-old when you're teaching them, this is a house, this is a bird, this is a purple Mm. heart. He just wants to know, is it working? And I couldn't talk, but I was able to, like, he'd lie to me, like, is this a purple house? You know, and he realized, okay, nothing's wrong with her brain. She's, she understands what I'm saying. Well, they found out, okay, we just overdosed her on chemo and on this chemo is methotrexate. That's what I was on. When I, after I would take this chemo, I would have to take pills to help flush it from my body. And then I'd always have to check my pH balance because my P, they, my pH balance had to get to a certain color. You know, we're just a lot. My mom's giving me shots. I mean, there's a lot you learn. You're like, I could be a doctor after all this. You learn so much. <laughs> but I guess, you know, and they would run blood work as well to make sure my mm-hmm. counts and everything was where, but it, it just, I wasn't, it was OD'd on chemo. So those medication pills, those pills that they gave me to help flush it from my system quicker, they just okay. doubled up on it. They just gave me more of that medication. And within 24 hours, I was back to my my normal functioning at that point. My motor skills came back and stuff. So I was running into things like just all these complications, right? And I even, you know, people are always like, Tracy, how did you deal with this? And I'm like, you want like the real answer? You want like a fluffy (laughs) answer? Like I was just, you know, journaling and meditating and God, no, but let me give you the real answer, right? Right. I was addicted to my pain pills. Mm. Like mm. now I was in physical pain. I mean, my surgery, it was just standing. The blood would rush to my leg, pain, mm. throbbing. I had to have my leg on one of those machines to get my range of motion back. So I'd lay in bed and it would just bend my knee for me to get, so it wouldn't get stiff. Cause I was in bed right. so much. Cause I didn't have any energy. Right. And so I realized, okay, these pain pills, they do help with the pain. But when I was on them, I realized they helped with the emotional and mental pain. So then I probably took them a little longer than I needed. Do you know what I mean? Because it was now helping me with different pain. That Mm. is how I coped. (laughs) That is how I dealt with it. I went to my doctor and I told, I knew it was wrong. I knew that was wrong. So I Mm. went to my doctor and I said, Hey, I'm addicted to these pain pills and no, it's not right. What can we do? And his response was pretty much like, girl, I don't even care what you're addicted to. I'm just trying to save your life. And I'm like, okay, bigger (laughs) picture, bigger picture. I get it. I get it. But I said, I understand that, but I care. And it matters to me. So he put me on a medication that was less addicting that I eventually weaned myself off of. Um, good. Yeah. So I'm just all this stuff. And I finally get to the point where like my soul told me, Tracy, you're dying. You're dying. It's not the cancer that's killing you, but the chemo is killing you. And I remember when my uncle died previously from leukemia about 10 years before, Mm -hmm. I remember hearing somebody say it wasn't the cancer that killed him. It was the chemo that killed him. And that always just stayed with me, right? As little kids, I think I was 10, but you hear parent or your grownups talking and stuff. And that phrase always stood out to me about my uncle. And so that entered my mind that if you don't quit chemo, you're going to, your outcome will be like your uncle. Right. Right. And so I had a couple of rounds left and I'm like, here I am. Like I have this, that's a hard decision. (laughs) That's a hard decision. Right. Cause cancer can come back. Maybe it's not all gone. Then I have to do it again. But my, something in my gut just said, you need to stop. Like Mm -hmm. clearly look at all this stuff you're going through. You need to stop. So I finally just told my mom, I said, I'm done. I cannot do another round of chemo. It is literally killing me and I'm going to die. And Uh I was literally more afraid of doing another round of chemo and dying than not. 
than just mm, stop eating. Understandable. Yeah. You know, so I went to my doctor and I said, I'm done. And he mm. looked at me, he's like, well, you're not crazy. He's like, obviously what I've been through, right? My body's mm. shutting down. Your body, right. my body is telling me stop. Um, and he's like, and I've, I've treated you a little longer than I, I do most people. So you know, uh, just taking everything into account, right? Right. He could support that decision. Not that I needed it. Right. Because I did right. it. You were going to do it. <laughs> I was going to do it regardless, but yeah. it was a decision he could put his weight behind and, you know, support okay. and stuff. So I in chemo and, um, obviously it was the right decision for me. Like okay. I always tell people, I, I am a huge advocate for listening to your body. Doctors mm. mean well, they want to help. They want to save majority. Um, you have to, it's really important to find a doctor who doesn't have a big ego because that gets, oh. that's, that's what gets you in trouble. Okay. Doctors who think they know everything. Mm. I love doctors who are like, you know, your body better than I do. Meaning I, he can't feel what I'm feeling. Right. Like right. you don't, yes, you have the, the book knowledge and the smarts, but you don't, everyone's body is different. Everyone responds Absolutely. differently. Yeah. And, um, I think it's important. So I'm like, I promise y'all, I'm not an advocate for going against what doctors say, mm. but I'm an advocate for yourself and knowing sure. yourself. And I think most people can agree that in this day and age, we have to advocate for ourselves when it comes to yes. our health. And yeah. I have had just experience after experience in 20, 2020, end of 2019, 20, beginning of 2020, mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with perimenopause because I went in, oh. I'm like, look, my, my back is aching. I'm always cramping. Like this isn't normal again. Cause I know my baseline, right? Everyone right. has to know their baseline. Right. I'm like, something's not right. I just, it's constant backache. And there, she's like, oh, well, it's just your period. And how old are you? And I'm like, God, I don't even know. Maybe that's 30, 30 something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I can't, I'm not going to back 30 something in my <laughs> late thirties. Yeah. And she's like, oh yeah, you're in perimenopause. I'm like, Perry, what? Uh, I do my research and I'm like, no. And so, again, something in me said, get a second opinion. Okay. I go and I get a second opinion and I have got a borderline tumor on my ovarian oh, that my causes back pain and aching. Wow. And it was the size of a grapefruit. So oh my like, I, I, I even called her office. I said, please have her remove that from my thing. She was wrong. I got a second opinion and I was right. found myself back at MD Anderson because I had to have it removed because if it does stay too long, it can turn right. into cancer. It's called right. a borderline tumor for a reason. It's not oh. normal, but it's abnormal, but it's not yes. so abnormal to where it's invasive ovarian cancer. Right. Mm, I'm like, I yeah. didn't know there was an in-between. I thought you either have cancer or you or don't. You do. This right. was an in-between thing. So oh my gosh. I just had so many experiences like that, that I do share in my book that I'm just like, yes, consider what these doctors are saying. But when you have that gut feeling, like you have to listen to it. And it's mm. so funny because as I was writing my book, that experience was mm -hmm. the experience that I was having. And so that oh. experience is my last chapter. So oh, here wow. I am going through this, writing my book, closing out my book with this experience. Um, mm. And it, it was just, it was interesting. It's interesting how that all plays out. So oh, I yeah. just always like to be very clear when I, when I talk about this, that I don't, not for going against your doctor, right. but I'm for, for listening to yourself and advocating. And I've just had way too many experiences to not you know, tell people that, um, 
So that's how it went. And then a year later, you know, my divorce finalizes that took a little bit of time and people don't realize like recovery and, and processing everything that happens after chemo, you're just Mm. in survival when you're sick, right? You can't, there's no healing. There's none of that. And that took me, that takes a while. You know, I always tell people like I poisoned my body for over a year. All these things I went through, my body and my mind and my heart, my everything just needed time to recover, right? You hear people, you believe me or believe it or not, people will say, you should just be grateful. You survive. You should just be grateful. It's like, okay, I'm still in my process. Like I just, I just took myself to death's door. Mm -hmm. I have to now work my way back. I have to now process all the trauma I went through, process my husband leaving me, process like, I just have to process it now because you can't process yeah. it when you're in it. But yeah. so I was still recovering at my mom's and a year out from cancer, I met my now husband Aww. and we are going on, I think this year we're going in March next month, 19 years. Oh, and wonderful. in 08, he adopted my girls because my ex-husband he wasn't involved and had his own issues and stuff. And I did have a really big fear, you know, when you're just out from cancer, like it could come back. And if it comes back or I die, like what's going to happen to these girls. Right. So, and we, we had added a a third child to our family and then we're thinking now they're going to be, these siblings are going to be split. We can't do that. And he, and of course he loved the girls too. And he was dad because their biological father was not there. Yeah. And so it took a, it took a little while, but, um, in 08, he was able to officially adopt them and everything so that we didn't have to worry Mm -hmm. about that. And then Mm -hmm. we added another in 08, we added our fourth child and I get the question a lot, you know, of, Oh, I thought women couldn't have babies after chemo. And I said, that's, it's very common, but I went on to have two more babies, you know? So I think it just depends, right? Depends on what kind of chemo or what cancer or your body, everyone, again, everyone's body is different. So people are always shocked that I went on to have two more babies. And I'm like, yeah, my husband just looked at me. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) He just sneezed and things happen. So, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's great, you know, but that, that has, that was life changing for me. That was the hardest thing I have ever gone through. I talk about, we all have that ultimate struggle that we've gone through that we all know that just was so life changing. Um, and I think it's important for people to acknowledge that embrace that because when you're struggling again, like I was, when I thought I could have cancer, you know, a few Mm -hmm. years back again, um, I thought, Okay. I've done it before. I'm strong. I can do it. Doesn't mean I want to do it. (laughs) I certainly don't want to do it again, Yeah. but I have proof that I am strong and I can get through it. And this time I have an extremely supportive husband, Wonderful. but it did not mean that I want to do it. And so I think it's really important that people can pinpoint that their ultimate struggle. So when they are struggling they can remind themselves, I am strong. I went through X, Y, and Z. So that's what my book is on. And that's, that's kind of my, my cancer story. Incredible. I mean, it seems like you, even before this happened, have like a lot of gusto, which I'm sure helps going through that process. Have you shared this with your children that you've had these experiences when they were just babies? And if you have, how did they receive that? 
Yes, I have. They, um, fully aware of it. It was not one of those things that I tried to shelter them from. I don't think you really can shelter your kids, um, from something like that, you know? And, and then of course with the book, I gave them one of my books and they've read it and stuff for more detail. Um, so yeah, they were, you know, fully, fully aware and, and everything. One thing that I, I made sure that I did not do was bash their biological father because even though they, which he did pass in 2015 from mental illness as well. So, but it's like, and, and, you know, I just talking badly about a dead person just is not, no matter what, what happened, it doesn't feel right. like the right thing to do. And right. so one thing I made sure to do was to never bash him, you know, because kids have a way of making everything about them. My parents divorced. That was my <laughs> fault. Right. My mom lost her job. That was my fault. My, right. like we just, yeah. I remember doing that. I remember making everything my fault. And so I'm like, I don't want to do that to my girls. And, yeah. you know. I'm just glad that I was able to, to spot that early on, even at such a young age that I did not want to cause that pain or make them feel like, oh, he left because of me or like, no, yeah. I wasn't going to go down that rabbit hole and stuff. So right. um, even in my book, you know, I talk about him leaving, but I, I don't share a whole lot of stuff about that. And I just, yes, people are always like, what, you know, or when my, my story gets shared in the media, you'd be surprised how many people can only focus on that. Right. Or they bash him and they say the terrible things about him. And I'm like, if you read my story, like I'm not even bashing him and saying terrible things about him. How about you strangers who don't know? And I get that it's people love to talk about it and I'm fine. Obviously it's part of my story. I'll talk about it and share it, but I'm like, if I'm not going to bash this guy, Mm. maybe complete strangers who don't know him and have the full story, should do it because of course, 20 years ago, mental illness was not really talked about very taboo. I mean, we still struggle with it today, but at least today it's more talked about. And this guy had mental illness. So like, you know, even when my girls would say, you know, why this or why that I'm like, he couldn't even take care of himself. Mm. how is he going to take care of you? And I told him, I'm like, I believe he loved you to the best of his ability. Wow. Right. Like I, and I, I believe that we can only love people, right. To the best. And what I believe is we can only love others as most as we love ourselves. Right. You you can't give what you don't have. So, and I would tell him that he, he just, he couldn't give it. I'm so sorry, mm. but he just, he couldn't. And this is mental illness. And this is what he yeah. struggled with. And it had nothing to do with you. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure it's caused some issues, right? Like no. <laughs> deep seated issues or something. So, but I always tried to do that, mm. um, with, with him and stuff. That's so admirable. Yeah. I know love them or hate them. I really admire that Kim Kardashian has said that she will not bash you know her ex-husband because she does not want her kids to you know hear that and I think that's so admirable you know that's just the right thing to do and so many people never do the right thing so (laughs) kudos to you for making that decision and yes that's wonderful and uh you are also a podcaster uh Mm -hmm. my fellow kindness podcaster (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I'm guessing that level of compassion and understanding is, you know, second nature and very easy to bring 
into the podcast along with your life's experiences. That's just really admirable. I wish more people would do that. Thank you. And I think if we could all just have a little bit more understanding and a little bit less judging, especially on social media, I think we could get so much further, you know, just taking time to understand. It doesn't mean you have to agree, but yet in the world we live in, if I don't agree with you equals somehow I don't like you. And I'm like, when did that become a thing? Exactly. Like, why is it just because I don't agree with you? I don't have to like you. And so I just feel like we can all have different views and opinions and disagree, but you can also bring understanding and compassion and the things that we have gone through is what helps to shape our perspective, you know, and we have all gone through such different things. And my aunt told me something, it's actually on my website. Mm -hmm. And you know how some people say things that they just stick with you like forever. She said something years ago and it was, if you knew everybody's story, there isn't one person you wouldn't love. Mm. And I thought, how true is that? that? So true. People don't take time to get to know somebody before they judge them, leave a mean comment, all these things. And I'm like, and I think when you learn someone's story, it's like, okay, this makes sense. Like I get it. I get it now, you know? So I think people just need to slow down. Oh gosh. Take take time (laughs) to get to know other people and their story. And instead of looking for what sets you apart, look for common ground. Yes. You know, (laughs) I feel like in this day, yeah, in this day and age, people, it's like a pastime to just judge and, you know, give people no chance whatsoever, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, <laughs> it's so yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I understand that you have a wonderfully large TikTok following. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yes. So that's a way that you're also able to show, you know, I'm not just talking the talk. I'm walking the walk. This is my family. This is our life. This is the joy that we have. Uh, is it fun creating all of these videos and sharing your life with everyone or did it just happen to become a thing? Yeah. So I've been very intentional on social media for about seven years. And again, it was one of those things. And I, I have learned to listen to my heart. I have, but Mm -hmm. it took, it took a long time to get to that point, to trust it, right. To trust yourself, to listen. And, um, about seven years ago, I, you know, it was on my heart to get on social media that I really needed to get on and share my life. And so I have, and I've always, that's that, you know, has always stayed with me. And of course it was really with Facebook first and Instagram and stuff. Cause right. TikTok didn't really blow up till what? 2020, 2019. Right. Yes. It didn't mm-hmm. blow up. So, um, so I, it's always been on my heart to share, but not just share, but like share the highs and the lows. Okay. And I think too many people only share the highs. Yes. And, um, thankfully I do feel like I have overall more highs than lows. And, but then I have some seasons where I'm like, can I just breathe? Like I'm drowning. Can I just (laughs) get a break? And it's important to me to share, share those, to be real. And Mm -hmm. so that people are like, okay, this is normal. Yes. It's normal Mm -hmm. to have highs, but yes, it's normal to struggle and have lows because if you're human, you're going to have them. And so it's important for me to show up like that. But then when the pandemic happened, like everybody else, I was bored as all get out. And I'm like, mm. what am I going to do? <laughs> and so I went and got on TikTok. And because I had already known 
really how social media works, like the kind of content that people like, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I just took that knowledge to TikTok and honestly, right away, I did well. Um, it wasn't hard, but then there was just certain things that I did that really blew up my TikTok account. And yeah. right now I'm at the point where I don't post as much, but I'm kind of transitioning and rebranding and doing some things kind of behind the scenes that aren't really, you know, I'm not talking about right now, like all yeah. my socials, but, um, I will be picking back up my TikTok and, you know, and stuff like that. I just haven't done a whole lot, but then on my, on my Instagram, I'm over there. And then on my Facebook, my Facebook picked up, I think I really built a platform over there, um, about August, September of last year Okay, is when I was able to build my platform on Facebook. And my thing is, is it's like, I don't want to just have these platforms, right? Like I don't right. great. I have them, but it's like, for me, I have to use them for good. Like, how can I use them to serve others and give back? And so before our call, mm -hmm. I actually just got off a call with a lady named Jill Wagner, who um, she is way bigger over on TikTok than I am, <laughs> but her and I are partnering up and we're working on some stuff Wonderful. and, and I'll share some of it, but like, um, so her and I want to go and speak to the youth about social media. Um, oh. we do because mm -hmm. we have, I have been a content creator for years and she's been one for years and you get to kind of see a little bit of everything, the, the, the good and the bad. Right. And, um, so her and I want to go around speaking to schools and church youth about, okay, we're going to talk about it all. Here's the mm -hmm. dangers of social media, especially for the youth, especially yeah. for them. Y'all need to be aware, but here is how, here's the right way to use it. And then here's the advantages of using right. it. And, um, you know, I, I have had my head down doing all this research. I'm like, my brain hurts. I don't think I can do <laughs> one more research. And, and so her and I just got off a call about, okay, how are we going to do this? We have to create an account. We have to do this. And what about TikTok? And so I'm really excited to, to link arms with her sure. and go out and speak to the youth and um, educate them. And we want that to eventually be speaking to the parents because parents are clueless. Most, oh, gosh, a, yeah. a lot of parents are clueless. Um, right. And so that is, to me, that is very meaningful, right? I mm -hmm. have their credibility. I've been on social media. I am a content creator. Um, so I know something of value, um, but the youth, those, those are the ones that I'm just like, when in my research, I'm like, there's so much personal development seminars and retreats oh, for women and yes. supporting moms and single moms and couple right. there. I'm like, what about our youth? Exactly. Our youth. Right. And I have a 14 year old. I'm going to have other kids, but right. my 14, they're, they're adults, mm -hmm. but I have a 14 year old in high school and middle school. And it's so hard. And some of these are just left to their devices. And, you know, I just think with social media, it's here to stay. This is something it's we're talking about. It's here to yes. stay. It's it's ingrained. <laughs> it's ingrained in society into everything. So, yes. either fight it, which kids these days are now creating contents behind their parents' back, even when their parents <laughs> say don't do it. So, right. instead of fighting it, I just want to educate these kids Wonderful. and yeah. be like, just just be aware. And I know how the algorithm is working. They're trying to keep you on. They, they want you to be addicted. You're getting a dopamine hit every time you get a notification and all these things, oh. but give them that power back. And I, and I was telling her, so I've created this whole talk and presentation and everything. And my, the thing is, it's like either be used by these platforms or you use them 
for exactly. good. How are oh, we yeah. going to do this? And so I'm so excited. Her and I were talking. We're just so excited to kind of get out there and just love on these youth because oh. they're all about social media, you know? And oh yeah. Okay. If you're going to be all about social media, let's at least just be aware. Let's you know? Yes. So that's something that so, I'm working on. I am so excited about that for you too, because it's like, you know, we're about the same age and once upon a time, if we were dealing with someone bullying us, we just went home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now it's like, it does not end just because you went home. They create a fake account and continue to bully these poor children. So that's beautiful because they really, really need positive guidance there. Yeah, that is so true. We could just yes. go home and not have to deal with it. And they go home and it's on their phone. Right. right? I and they, imagine. You can't escape it. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Well, Tracy, oh my gosh, I've held back tears. <laughs> <laughs> but my goodness, your story is unbelievable. And I am so glad that you're healthy and doing well and you have a beautiful family. If you could please share the name of your book with the audience, I would love for them to know and read your story further. It's just incredible. Thank you. Yeah. So the book is called Upstruggle. I have it. I don't know. Do you do video as well or just audio? Yeah, it's video as well. Oh, you do video as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, gosh, maybe I would have. Okay. No, you wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) It's just Upstruggle and it's Embrace the Struggle, Become Stronger, Live Happier. Um, You know, the first chapter is my cancer story. Of course, I go more into depth on, on my story in the book. And, and it's really, it's all about the struggles that I've been through and, and how I've overcome them. But in my book, it was really important for me to talk about, um, to give tangible tips and tools, not just here's my story, like, yay, she got through it, but like, okay, she got through it, but now she's giving me like tips and tools on how to get through it. And I created through research and stuff. I created a, a formula that, and, and certain, you know, universal struggles and identify them. This is how you identify them. Here's the steps to take. So really it's for, you know, anyone struggling who wants right. to learn how to struggle better and not mm-hmm. feel alone. You know, I talk about marriage. I talk about motherhood, just health stuff that I've gone through. I tried to, uh, commit suicide as a teen, like mm-hmm. just so many things, you know, um, I talk about my ex just a little bit, not, not a lot or bad, but just so people know, okay, she's been divorced as well. So I've been through some stuff and it was just important to me to put it into a book. And people are like, how long did it take you to write that book? And I'm like 20 years. I'm like, what? I'm like, well, if I didn't have all those experiences, I wouldn't have been able to write the book. And all of those experiences took about 20 years for me to go through it. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, that's, that's the book. And then of course the podcast rock your kindness is, um, all about, you know, I call it rock your kindness because it's like the umbrella, right? I believe that we all show up in our own unique way and we, Mm -hmm. we give kindness that's unique to us. I mean, imagine living in a world where all we do is compliment. And that's all right. there was. We just, right. but you, you're really good at complimenting. You're really good at loving people. You're really good at seeing people. You're really good at like the world. We need all kinds. And so oh, yes. for my guests, I just, it's like, how are they showing up in this world to show kindness? Mm-hmm. And we do happen to have a lot of stories where it is struggles. They have gone mm-hmm. through something, but they took that pain and they transformed it. And now they've started a nonprofit or they're giving back or, you know, even yeah. the love, what matters or, you know, they are, you know, sponsoring this podcast 
even mm-hmm. his story, like we just released his story about the story behind Love What Matters. And so that story I don't think is out there. People don't really know the story behind Love What Matters, but Colin's mom, um, she had, I think what he said it was breast cancer. She had one cancer, beat it, but then got a second cancer, which I think was ovarian because ovarian cancer is really hard to beat. Sure. And, and it, and it did take her life. And he is the baby of three boys. Wow. And he's sensitive and he's creative. And she kept mm. telling him, Colin, like you are going to struggle the hardest. You're my most sensitive. You're my most caring. You're so creative. Right. You need to figure out how you're going to take that pain and do something good with it. True. And that is where love. What matters came from, Aww. you know, is he's like, it was this, like, how can I help others who are going through stuff, not feel alone right. and who, you know, who knew? And I think it's, I think the platform is love. What matters is like seven years old. It's, you know, I'm like, when he told me that, I was like, has it really only been around for seven years? Like, yeah. Wow. Like, Cause I've been a writer for them for like, gosh, four or five years. So I didn't realize that they had just started when I started writing for them. But, um, so that's my link. If people are like, well, how did she link up with them? It's, I was a writer. <laughs> Okay. I was a, a writer for them and, yeah. um, they had this idea to do a podcast and that's after some beautiful. brainstorming, that's kind of what we came up with is people just want to know they're not alone. And when we're struggling, mm-hmm. we always think we're alone. Even me. And I, I have this whole book and formula. I still go through it where I'm like, nobody would get it. I'm like, wait a minute. That, that's just a story. <laughs> we te- That is just the story we tell ourselves, you know, that's true. um, yeah. And so, yeah, love what, love, love what matters and, um, rock your kindness and us working together. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you for being so transparent. I think that some people are fearful of being transparent, but it's such a strength to be able to do that because you help so many. Thank you. You know, I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't know how not to be anymore. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm like TMI. I'm like, I don't even know what TMI (laughs) is because you just get it all. Okay. Are we talking about poop right now? Let me tell you this one time, you know, like, oh, well, I don't care. But when I first got on social media and I started doing trainings and free trainings and paid training, any type of training I get my hands on, I would do for social media. And one of the things obviously is to connect. You have to be like, you have to be real. People can read a post and know like, "Mm, she might be saying that, but like, I'm not. I'm not feeling that. And I'm like, y'all don't realize even through written word, people can yeah. read through BS. So, so true. I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this social media thing, I have to be real. Oh my yeah. gosh. And I remember like my first couple of posts, I call it posting and ghosting. I would post <laughs> it. And then I would be like, uh, no, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look because I was so fearful of sure. what being transparent and being real and being raw, what yeah. that would do what people would think of me. And then you just get to the point where you're like, I don't care because that's great. being transparent and real and raw, that is what helps other people not yeah. pretending like I have this perfect life. Mm-hmm. It is all together. We all have our struggles. And honestly, my, my main struggle throughout my life, that the theme is my mm-hmm. health. Sure. And yeah. I share, I share, cause I've gone through, you know, at the end of last year, I was diagnosed with POTS and, and heart disease. And wow. I was very open, like, you know, my doctors, so my doctors, MD Anderson want to see me because there's long-term side effects or side effects that can pop up after chemo. They're trying to figure it all out. Right. And I'm honest with people. I'm like, I believe that it was stress 
you know, Ooh. 2022. I'm mean, like, wait, 2022 was your most stressful year after what you just told me. Yes. <laughs> yes. I kid you not. 2022 was the most stressful year of my life. And if wow. you know, and I'm in the fitness industry as well, I, for seven years, I've been a group fitness instructor and you okay. have to have knowledge and stuff. And so I just did, re, did my um, certification for my national cert to redo it, my CECs. And I picked, I picked a CEC on stress because I knew, and I'm like, I'm so glad that I did this right timing, but stress is a killer stress causes heart disease and all these things. And I'm like, I believe that because of the, and I allowed it, right. We allow things into our life because of the stress that I was under and all the things I was allowing in my life in 2022, Mm -hmm. I just happened to be diagnosed with POTS and heart disease. So I'm like, no, it's not a, it's not a coincidence, you know? And so I was very open and honest on social media about, about, you know, going on that, on that Mm -hmm. journey and stuff. So it is really important. And of course there are some things I keep close to my heart. You can't, I think you have to be very careful what you share. You can't, you don't want to share everything and, you know, but I definitely don't like that the people who only share the highs right? or, or dare I say the people who only show the lows because That's neither, draining, yes. <laughs> n- neither, neither is reality. Neither right. is reality. And I'll tell you, and it's in my book and I'll tell people, and if your life is all lows, God, we got some work to do. <laughs> That's, that's your, that's choices. That's mindset. Yes. That's a lot of things, but that nobody is. lives on, on the spectrum at either side. It's always so right. kind of, we have some highs, we have some lows, you have a couple more highs, you have a little bit of a low, you know, it's, yes. but that's life. And that's what makes that's it great life. and beautiful. I know. And it's so freeing to just, you know, I feel like in this day and age, we have the freedom to be transparent if we choose to be without judgment, people really are accepting of it. Mm-hmm. They are. Yes. Oh, well, Tracy, my goodness, thank you so very much for sharing your story. And uh, audience, please check out her book. Please check out her podcast. Please follow her on social media. You are a force, girl. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you, you for really having me. You really are. Oh, thank you. All right, folks. This has been the Cult of Kindness podcast. Take care. <laughs>